Hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. What a descriptive term. It's a term that was coined by two heart specialists because as these two doctors treated people with various forms of heart disease, they noticed a common factor. Most of their patients led busy lives, lives full of work and meetings and activities. Often, even the recreation time of these people was planned and scheduled. All of this busyness created stress and anxiety, which took a toll on their bodies. The result? Their hurry. Their busyness was making them sick. You see, perpetual busyness always comes at a cost. And for the last couple of generations, our modern world increasingly has become consumed by busyness. I've talked to single people and married people, to couples with kids and without kids, to working people and retired people. No matter the age and stage of life, what I hear so often from others, and what I so often hear myself saying is this, I'm busy. It's bad enough that we're busy, but to make matters worse, we often wear our busyness like a badge of pride. We parade our schedules in front of each other to show how much our time is in demand. It's as if we feel a twinge of guilt if somehow our days are not completely filled up. This attitude clearly doesn't come from God because God values rest. He created rest. He modeled rest. And he wants us to rest because he knows that rest is a key ingredient in a healthy life. Proper, appropriate rest is essential for our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And yet we're all so busy living according to the pattern of our culture that we forget to listen carefully to God. The God who wants us to rest. So it's no surprise to me that comedian Steve Wright once said, I think God's going to come down and pull civilization over for speeding. And I wonder, maybe God just did. Now there obviously is a lot more to our current global pandemic than simply slowing people down. But God often works on many levels at the same time. Among everything else that he may be up to, I wonder, I wonder, is he using our mandated quarantines to get our attention, to force us to slow down? Perhaps he is because we desperately, desperately need to learn how to rest. Not just to sit and binge on Netflix, but to rest our bodies, our minds, and our souls. It's easy for us to complain about our broken schedules and our forced isolation. And yet, before this season ends, let's grab it as an opportunity. An opportunity to embrace a new normal when it comes to rest. So that when this time of quarantine ends, we won't go back to busyness as usual. Instead, we will go forward with a new rhythm of life. A rhythm that includes holy rest. 
Rest that will refresh us and help us experience more of our holy God. I think that's what God intended when he created rest. Our appreciation for rest and our willingness to place a higher value on rest begins by understanding that rest did not just happen by accident. God created rest by deliberately stopping his work. Here's how it's described in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This short passage offers us a gold mine of riches from God. He's giving us a pattern for living, a pattern, a pattern based on a weekly rhythm of rest. Now we need to remember that God was creating the world from scratch, which means he didn't have to do it this way. He could have done it any way he wanted. For example, at the end of, six, at the, end of the six creation days, he simply could have said, that's it. I'm finished, all done. And then our motto would be a six-day work week with no day of rest. God deliberately didn't do that. Instead, he created this seventh day specifically to establish the value of weekly rest. In fact, God thought a rest day was so important that he blessed this day and called it holy. He thought a rest day was so essential that he even personally modeled the act of resting for us. So embracing God's holy rest starts with a clear understanding that this day is designed to be different. It's a day to step away from work, to step away from busyness, and to bring the spiritual dimension of life to the forefront. And yet, it's hard for us to do this because it requires us to let go of control of our schedules. To experience God's holy rest, you and I need to release those anxious demands that drive us to go, go, go. As I think about this, it, it occurs to me that taking time to rest really is an exercise in faith. Because when we engage in holy rest, we surrender our time to God. And so here in Genesis, at the beginning of the human story, God creates this gift of rest for us. It's a gift given in love. It's a gift that is holy and blessed. And the question for all of God's people in every generation really is quite simple. How will we embrace this precious gift? Now, this teaching about rest is not difficult to grasp. In fact, it's one of the most plain and clear things that God says and does in the entire Bible. And yet, we consistently, consistently ignore him. I know that most of you do, and I have to confess that I am just as guilty. This is tragic. It's tragic that we do not take time to rest in a way that allows us to experience God's holy blessing. In fact, down through history, God's people often have spent more time arguing about the day of rest than simply enjoying the day of rest. For example, the Jewish people took rest very seriously. Unfortunately, they got sidetracked by all kinds of questions, such as, 
What time did the day of rest start and end? How do we properly define work? And what activities qualify as rest? So their, their intention was honorable, but, but their focus on rules and regulations and their arguing about rules and regulations became a burden. After all, it's, it's hard to relax with God if you're constantly worried about doing something that might annoy God. And then after Jesus established his church, Christians also started haggling over the details, just as the Jewish people had done. Rather than simply embrace the holy gift of rest, some believers fought over whether Saturday or Sunday was the proper day to rest. Other believers fought over how much time you had to spend in church on the day of rest. It seems to me that based on God's clear example here in Genesis, that he doesn't want us to get bogged down in legalistic details. He simply wants us to experience rest as he did by intentionally stopping our work, by intentionally stopping our busyness, by intentionally setting aside time to experience a rest that is holy and blessed. And it's so clear that that God's day of rest is not the same thing as having a day off work. Because when we take time off from work, we usually just fill it up with other forms of busyness. And so we need to ask, what might a holy day of rest look like? I think the possibilities are endless. Let me repeat that. Endless. First and foremost, a day of rest is a great time to let go of the tyranny of the urgent. Do you realize how many of our deadlines and demands are self-imposed? And this actually can become a form of bondage. And so on our day of rest, we can bless ourselves by putting away the to-do lists. God did, and so can we. I think one part of a day of rest should be joining with other believers for worship so we can experience the blessing of Christian community. We come together with intentionality to be refreshed and encouraged in the life of faith and to encourage others. On our day of rest, we also can set aside some personal time to pray, to read the Bible, and to reflect on what we read. If we have family around, our day of rest can involve unscheduled, unplanned time simply to be with each other and interact in spontaneous ways, maybe to just relax and play a game. A day of rest is a great time for parents to be intentional about having some spiritual conversations with their kids. And that's just for starters. There are countless other ways we can refresh our souls. For example, how about if on our day of rest, we take a walk along the river or through the woods. And as we do, we turn off our smartphones and put away our earbuds. And if someone is walking with us, we resolve not to talk. For some of us, a 30-minute walk in silence where we simply look around and drink in God's creation and reflect on what we see would be a huge gift of holy rest. A rest that would be a blessing to our minds and our hearts and our souls. And we often resist such things because silence makes us uncomfortable. Silence, though, is is a blessing, not a curse. 
and unplugging from technology periodically is a blessing, not a curse. I want to encourage you to make a short list of things you can let go of once a week. And make a list of simple activities that in your life will promote holy, blessed rest. And then pray and ask God to help you begin to embrace his gift of rest as part of your new normal weekly rhythm. Now we need to recognize that there's another piece to this because God did not just give us a rhythm of weekly rest. In Genesis chapter 1, throughout the six creation days, we also find God demonstrating a rhythm of daily rest. When we look at Genesis 1, we discover that God's work is dramatically different than ours. That really shouldn't be a surprise, should it? But God's work is interesting because he simply speaks and new things are created from scratch. For example, he says, let there be light. And then the world is filled with light. I wish I could do that. Let there be a sermon. And the finished words appear on paper. Let the trees be pruned and the weeds be pulled and the lawn be mowed. And all my yard work is complete. It obviously doesn't work that way. My work, your work, requires a lot of work. God's work simply involved speaking. In practical terms, this means that God's work on his work days didn't use up much time. After all, how long does it take to say, let there be light? So what did God do on the rest of each of those creation days? I think he watched with delight as the world responded to his commands. We know he took time to reflect on his work because throughout the creation week, he regularly pronounced that what he saw was good. You see, God allowed himself to reflect on what he'd done. He took time to feel a sense of satisfaction for his completed work. So he didn't fill every minute with busyness. And we don't need to either. And yes, it's true, our work requires more time and effort than his, but we still can take moments throughout the day to disengage from work, from activity, from social media. Like God, we can take moments to reflect and to find satisfaction in what we have done. For example, we can thank him for a task that we just completed or thank him for a conversation that we just had with a friend. You know, even if we're doing something as basic as shopping for groceries, why not try this? When you're finished, put the bags in your car, climb in, and then sit there in silence for 30 seconds. Think gratefully about the fact that you had the means to purchase what you needed. And then offer a brief prayer of thanks to God. It's a moment of rest and reflection. And we can intersperse brief moments of rest and reflection like this throughout our days. We can take a moment and do it at the end of the day and look back. Moments like these will refresh us. Moments like these will remind us of God's blessings. And such moments will help us experience 
much more of God's presence on an ongoing basis. It's embracing the gift of rest. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 reveal that God has created for us and modeled for us a rhythm of life, a rhythm built around daily and weekly rest. A rest that is so much more than just not working. It's a gift of rest that is holy and blessed and connects us more closely with our loving God. Now, as I said at the beginning, resting as God intends is vital to our physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And because of this quarantine, we now have a unique opportunity. An opportunity to embrace a new rhythm of life. The rhythm that's modeled by God, not the rhythm modeled by our culture. Doesn't it make more sense for us to follow God's example? Now, admittedly, carving out time for holy rest is not easy to do if you have a demanding job or face the pressures of raising children or trying to care for aging relatives. I understand all that. When Julie and I first started our family, I was working my way up the corporate ladder and I routinely worked 60 hours a week. It wasn't easy to find extra time. And it's actually not that different for me as a minister. I know the old joke that ministers only work on Sundays, but I still put in about 60 hours a week. And so I still have the challenge of making time for God. It's not always easy. It's not easy for me, it's not easy for you, and that's why we must be intentional. You and I must choose to create moments when we respond to God's invitation to rest. And so we need to think We need to ask challenging questions of ourselves. For example, what activities can you and I leave behind when this quarantine ends? What part of our old schedules can we let go of? What new patterns can we begin to establish in our lives right now? You and I in this moment can discover a new normal that will allow us to experience a rhythm of daily rest and weekly rest. A rhythm of rest that is holy and blessed. A rhythm of rest that will renew our minds and our hearts and our souls. As we embrace God's invitation to experience holy, blessed rest, we can conquer the idol of busyness. And we can experience the richer life that God wants for each of us.